Hey, welcome to Evan Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Rose. I'm joined by everyone's favorite communications director slash church health guy, Grandmaster Flash, Justin Nash. How you doing, Justin? I'm great, Eric. And it is great to have you in the Tar Hill State. So congratulations. Uh, is, it, is that where I am? Yeah. What? Last yeah. time we mentioned the Tar Heel State, I think I had some sort of snarky comment about it. Yeah, you better not be snarky about Tar Heels where you are now. I can tell you that. What What is a Tar Heel? Uh, well, so it depends. Um, there are different. Nobody knows for sure. Uh, some people think <laughs> say say it goes back to the um, back to the shipping industry to the tar and pitch because that was something that was very uh, prominent in North Carolina because they have all the pine trees and so all the pine tar and so they're called tar heels um, that's a short version there's also another version and I like this one better um, I think it was a revolutionary war in fact I'm almost certain that uh, there was a battle a group from North Carolina uh, held their ground and uh, revolutionary general said those boys stuck like they had tar on their heels and so that uh, now this is now is this the revolutionary war against the british or the revolutionary war against you know the country uh, well the british otherwise known as civil war yeah we we refer to that as the war of northern aggression just so you're clear oh, okay yeah. you're welcome for that um, um you know what we're trying to do today justin i think we're talking about we are seeking to leave well uh, hey, hey sorry we're seeking to leave the discussion while providing practical advice on church health among Advent Christian churches. Sorry about that, Justin. You're going to spoil it. I had to finish the whole intro. That's okay. Well, you're, you're the one that broke. So um, I broke? What did yeah, I break? Well, I mean, you. I said, welcome to the Tar Heel State, and then you took us down the rabbit trail. To uh, I never take Hill? anybody down rabbit trails. We know yeah, that. Yeah. Now, what for the, for the listeners who don't know, because Justin kind of uh, shared that a little bit, the reason I'm in the Tower Hill State is that I have recently started uh, a new pastor. I accepted the call to pastor Hickory Grove Emmett Christian Church in Four Oaks, North Carolina, which people tell me the church is not really in Four Oaks. We just have a Four Oaks address, which I have no idea what that means. So, Yeah, it just means you're not in town. But you're, that's the post office that processes your mail. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It's not as densely populated as New England. <laughs> so. Hey, from my understanding, houses are being put up all over the place, man. It's going to get populated pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty quick. So today, Justin, as I think you were trying to say, as I rudely cut you off because I'm from New England, so we're rude up there. Um, we're going to be discussing the seven traps to avoid in church revitalization right that's it now when we were talking about this you said that you um you this is kind of a conglomeration of different things that you've um either studied or you've witnessed as you've walked some churches through revitalization is that is that right right yeah and to be honest i think i've seen all seven of these um even just a short time i've been doing this revitalization work for the denomination i think i've seen all seven of them Okay, cool. Well, Justin, what is the first trap to avoid in church revitalization? Uh, focus on programs. It's this idea that if we can just find the right program, it'll revolutionize our church. It'll turn it around. Mm. You know, everybody's looking for a silver bullet. Everybody's looking for this magic pill that you can take that's suddenly going to revolutionize everything. And that's a mm -hmm. very dangerous trap because people will jump from – 
program to program uh, when the programs don't fix things. Mm -hmm. We just have to remember that it's not programs that fix things. It's God that fixes things. Mm -hmm. He can use programs. It's not to say programs are bad and that they should be avoided, but we've got to be very, very careful when we put all our dependence and trust on programs. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say that, do you mean like reading the book Purpose Driven Church or Simple Church or... um, irresistible church or there's all sorts of churches you know right or it could be anything like that or uh, so or you know our church did evangelism explosion and it and it when we went through that it revolutionized our church or one that was big a number of years ago was experiencing god and people were like, mm. i remember talking to a guy who uh well, man he said the turning point was when our church went through experiencing god together and and that was true and that was something that god used in that situation but not every church that goes through experiencing God together is going to realize those same, that, that same kind of fruit. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to just fall flat. So you just have experiencing to be, God. In other words, wasn't the secret sauce. Right, right. It was that God was moving and working in the people. And, and did he use that content and, and that and curriculum? Sure. I mean, that was certainly something that he, he obviously did there because it made a difference. But don't think just because you've got this great program that, that it's going to fix everything because it's not. Uh, the programs are, again, they can be really useful, but they are not the answer in a final way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm reminded of a, a set of Bible studies that is, that is out there. Um, and they really discuss about one-mindedness within the church. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the content of the material, but I think that their approach is really good. And I love the idea of one mindedness. And I think what you're talking about is, you know, like with experiencing God or whatever else it might be, the church kind of got to a place where it was one minded about their mission, their purpose and what, you know, what they were meant to do. Does that? Yeah. Well, it, it, it provided a common vocabulary mm. and a common, a common vision and gave people mm-hmm. words to articulate it in a lot of cases. So, so again, it can be really helpful, but you just have to be really, really careful thinking, oh, well, if we were just to do this thing, it would fix everything. Because that, that program is not what's going to make things better. Right, right. So what's our, what's our second trap to avoid there, Jay Nash? Uh, dependent, dependence on a personality. You see this one a lot. You see a lot of churches, wow, well, if we just had a different preacher or a better preacher, or it's very common now, if we just had a younger preacher, right? If we had that, 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 that would make all the difference. Now, has God used uh, new pastors in churches to revitalize the churches? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you have to be really, really careful about that because sometimes – Personality-driven churches can can be just that, that the people are there because they like the pastor. And what happens when that pastor leaves? What happens when they find a pastor they like better? Mm-hmm. And, and it really, you want a pastor who's always going to point people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and too, far too often, guys who have big personalities – and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's a gift that, that God can use. But too often you can, you can start believing your own hype 
and people can just get so enamored with the pastor that they lose sight of Jesus altogether. And it's just really, really a dangerous thing when that happens. It can be really detrimental to the church. Now, do you do you find that um, when that happens, that pastors are feeding into that? Like the pastors might have a part to play in in that personality dependence. Sometimes, not all the time. I think there are just guys that that are very charismatic just sort of naturally and they're, they even have a humility to them. And that's just the, the natural inertia of people is to gravitate around a, a person and a personality. And so I think there are a lot of people who no, they don't feed it. Now, are there other people that feed it? Absolutely. Because they feed off that, that, that praise gives, you know, gives them identity. That praise gives, makes them feel valuable and and it feeds what's what's really what's really ugly inside of us a lot of times. I remember uh, an interview with John Piper a number of years ago. They asked him what his sort of greatest the greatest weakness or temptation. I remember exactly how it was phrased, but basically he said, "Look, this right here. All you people telling me how great I am." He says, "That's the greatest danger I face." And so you just have to be careful as a leader, and that's maybe a whole different podcast about how you 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 can avoid that. But the point is, is that churches far too often rely on the personality and the strength of a pastor to single-handedly revive the church, and that's normally not going to happen. It puts unreasonable expectations on the pastor, number one, and if it is an a, if it is a sort of reviving or increase in the church based on personality, it, it very well may not be real. And so that's the idea you know, behind that one. Yeah. I think that is a whole nother podcast, man. I think that'd be good for us to hit in the future. Um, you know, what ways can a pastor prevent that type of thing? You know? Right. Um, Cause that is really easy. I, this past weekend, you know, was my first Sunday at Hickory Grove and a lot of people were super excited and um, my goodness, the people were just so wonderful, so welcoming, but a lot of them were, you know, we're so thankful to have um, our new leader of the church and, you know, kind of went along those lines. And I said, you know, first thing I said uh, in the pulpit was, you know, I really appreciate the sentiment. However, I need to remind you that I'm only an under shepherd and Jesus is the great shepherd, the true shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm going against anything that the Bible says or what Jesus commands of us, then I'm not leading us very well. So we need to look to him for everything and not necessarily the pastor. You know? Right. So um, what's our third thing? Our third trap. Living in the past. If we just blank like we used to, everything would be better. Or if, you know, the way pastor so-and-so used to do it, or if the choir just wore robes, or if we just sang hymns out of the hymnals, or if we just had Tuesday night visitation, or whatever it is, when people start talking more about the past than they do about the future, Mm -hmm. you've got a problem. You know, I think in our last podcast, the one that just came out, I think it came out this week or last week, with uh, Mark Wolfington, who is actually the nicest guy in the denomination that I've met so far. Um, you know, he talked about when he hires someone at the church or at his house to replace the furnace. He doesn't stand over those guys questioning every tool that they use and talk about how great the last guys were who replaced the last furnace, you know? Right. 
Um, I think right. that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was I. I didn't notice it when we were recording it, but I listened to it the other day, and I just thought, wow, uh, Dr. Wolfton was was really on point with that. Yeah, no, and, and but it happens so often. If people, you're just like, well, if we could just go back the way things used to be, and people mm-hmm. say that all the time, and it's again, looking at the past can be very helpful, but we can't live there. And we have to understand that the world around us is changing. Every, the culture is changing. The church is changing in so many ways that we have to be really careful that we don't stay there. It's good to be mm-hmm. reflective. It's good to learn from it. But at the end of the day, we have to live in the here and now, and we have to be looking forward, looking backwards Well, as a recipe for death. Right, right. Fourth, what do we got? maintenance mentality just this, just this idea of let's just keep just keep chugging along just keep things running just like they are look do we have enough money to pay the light bill and pay the preacher good all right we're good let's go mm-hmm. and it's this idea that you're maintaining the status quo there's really only if you think of the church in terms of a living organism living things are either growing or they're dying there's really, there's no maintenance. And the church is that way. And when we get in a maintenance mode, we, we get ideas of comfort. We, we become complacent. We can become apathetic. Why? Because, well, we're just trying to keep the machine running. Mm-hmm. just like it has run. And it's something that's, that's really detrimental to church revitalization because revitalization is about breaking out of the status quo because the status quo is leading you ultimately to death. Mm-hmm. And, but when you people feed into that because it's uncomfortable for them to break out of that, it, it, it can be a real obstacle in a church when you're trying to lead in a revitalization effort. Mm-hmm. Do you know when the most dangerous, uh, when you're deployed to a foreign country at war, do you know when the most difficult time or most dangerous time is for, for a unit? I do not. About halfway to the second half of their deployment. And the reason being is that soldiers are human just like anybody else. And what happens is you grow in complacency um, if, you, if you don't stay vigilant. So what happens is, you know, you might have met, made this run that, you know, it's 15 miles down the road and you go and visit the Afghan National Police Headquarters, do some training with them. And you do that three times a week and you do that for six months on a 12 to 15 month deployment. It's really easy to take. Um, take everything for granted. You haven't been attacked yet along that route or whatnot. But at that point is when you just take all that, all those things for granted. It's important for training in the military to say, stay vigilant, stay alive. You know, complacency kills. And I, and I look at that and it's true. You know, it's true. I've been to war. I've seen that. It's, it's true. When you become complacent as a soldier, you're more likely to, um, to get attacked and get killed or hurt. I think it's the same thing with the church, right? Is if we allow ourselves to get complacent, like you said, do we have enough money to pay the pastor? Do we have enough money to pay the light bill? Okay, we're good. No, God doesn't call us to be complacent. In fact, he calls us to do anything but be complacent. So we have to stay vigilant, to stay alive, and to see the spirit of God work in the church. That's not going to happen if we just sit back fat and happy. Yeah, Tom Rainer has a quote from um, book Breakout Churches. I think it's the very first line in the book. It actually, he, he says, it's a sin to be good when God's called us to be great. 
Mm. And so it's that idea of, of pursuing excellence and, and, and advancement all the time. And, and maintenance is just a death knell to that. It's never going to yeah. happen. It's a wise word from Dr. Rayner. Yeah. Um, so on tap for number five, what do we got, Jay Nash? Victim mentality. Okay. Don't blame other people for your problems. Uh, happens all the time. Well, you know, people just don't like going to church anymore, or we're too small, or we don't have enough money, or our pastor's no good, or that, or that big church down the street keeps taking all our people. Mm-hmm. These different excuses that we we use to to make us somehow feel better about our our condition. You you can't wallow in victimhood. It's mm-hmm. it's you know, we're, we're not victims. We're, we're overcomers with Christ. And, and so we have to live and understand that we serve the risen Lord of the universe. Mm -hmm. And when we start making, it it moves us from a place of taking ownership to, to just being victims and saying, Oh, woe is me. And, and again, that's just a, it's a sure pathway to death when we do that. Right. Well, I do believe I'm just looking through my Bible. I just want to make sure it's still there and it hasn't moved. But I'm pretty sure Jesus says something about the gates of hell will not prevail against, right? right? Um, will not prevail against the church. Uh, therefore, we can't act as though we're victims. Did Paul act as though he was a victim when he was in chains? Right. No. Um, so whether or not we're, we're having sheep getting stolen at a church down the street, well, you know, we can get into a whole debate about about that another day, and that's probably not the purview of our podcast. But you know, if the if the church has never really been part of the culture of anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. The the church is sure we've had you know we look at the medieval times and during the Reformation, like people went to church, but it still went against the grain of culture throughout history um, because the the church is a almost anti-cultural movement, you know, um, culture says, do as you please and do what gratifies you in the church. Um, the, the true faith of the gospel says, put those things to death. Right. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting preachy. No, no, but it's, um, well, that's your job now. So it's okay. <laughs> um, but it's right. I mean, it's just this idea. We, you know, you see churches all the time where they actually seem to get angry at their community because people in their community don't come to their church mm. rather than saying, they, they just say, what's wrong with people that they don't come to our church rather than saying, what's wrong with our church that people aren't coming. Mm-hmm. Right. Take ownership of it. Right. Take owner, you Absolutely. know, don't get angry with others, get angry, get a righteous anger that causes you to flip over tables in the middle of the temple to say, no, we're, we're not going to allow the gospel to get conflated with, with, you know, victimization of ourselves, but say, let's die to ourselves. I'm getting preaching. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but again, I just think you just got to be very careful with excuses and passing the blame off on somebody else and, and passing your, and feeling like a victim that you can't control things because that's never going to be healthy. Absolutely. You know why I'm getting preaching, Jay Nash? Because you're all hopped up on Bojangle sweet tea. How'd you know? That's exactly what I was going to say, man. We've spent too much time together. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to gain about 15 pounds a month on this Bojangle sweet tea. Oh, well, yeah, you'll sweat it off in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin, what is our sixth, sixth, did I say that correctly? Sixth? Yeah. Sounds, sounds sixth. right to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Um, distraction from the gospel. I think it's just, it's a simple, but just it's so easy for us to lose sight of the mission of the church, which is to make disciples for mm-hmm. Jesus, to mm-hmm. preach and proclaim the perfect, sinless Lord who died in our place, who rose again, who ascended to the right hand of God, who's coming back, mm-hmm. you know, in salvation by Christ alone and the grace alone to faith alone. I mean, it's so easy to get distracted from that. And that is absolute certain way to be irrelevant mm-hmm. and to die is to lose track of the gospel and our proclamation of it. It ought to be central to all that we do in the church. Every question when we have a question about should we do this thing or shouldn't we do this thing should all be filtered through that great commission. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, comparison. Comparison is our la- last one. Yeah. Comparison. I mean, again, when you compare your, basically that's like just saying, well, we're not like blank church down the street. You know, we don't have, I heard somebody the other day, like we don't have six flags over Jesus for our kids and our children's program. Oh, I heard it on a podcast. I thought it was a pretty good line. Six flags over Jesus, because you know, because there's a lot. There are a lot of churches. Like I think of our church, there there's one church within. It's a mega church within ten minutes of us, and their like their children's area is like an amusement park almost inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have you kids slide into the to the classroom. I mean, just all kinds of. Do stuff. they really? They do it. I mean, it's super cool, man. They do it. They do a, a fantastic job, and it's it's amazing. And but it's a big church with a lot of money and a lot of staff. I think it's really easy for us to say, "Well, we can't do that." Yeah. So what good are we? Yeah. We we can't. You know, we don't have um, the same church. We went to the Christmas program last year, and it was amazing. I mean, it was Broadway quality live music and musicians and singers and i was just sitting there thinking anybody any one person on that stage could revolutionize 20 little churches in this community mm-hmm. right they have this high concentration of talent and 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 there's excellent in everything they do and sometimes we look at that and we go well, what good are we Mm-hmm. But again, to, to go back to something else I heard on the same podcast is we got to remember that our our address is not an accident, mm-hmm. that, that the, the sovereign God of creation has our church where it is for a reason and for a purpose. And so, yeah, we're not like that church or this church, and maybe we're not as big. Maybe our music's not as good. Maybe we don't have as much money. Maybe we don't have this or that, but we do have something. We're unique. We have a unique calling, and we need to remember that and not forget that, and we just need to work and, and seek God and figure out what he's uniquely called us to do rather than constantly comparing ourselves with each other because then when you start doing that, you start some really – nasty parts of our humanity start coming out like envy and jealousy and greed and selfishness and all these things. You mentioned Paul earlier in his suffering. I mean, every time I read Philippians one, it's just like, I'm in these chains. These people have put me here. They have rejoiced that I'm here and yet they're preaching the gospel. So I'm cool. Yeah. Right. And so that's what we've got to do. We've got to be rejoicing when we see the kingdom advancing, regardless of where it's advancing, whether it's with us or somebody else. And we have to just understand, well, what's our part in that advancement? We're not called to be like all these other churches. 
Right. And as I, as I look at these seven traps to avoid, just to remind people who are listening, focus on programs, dependence on a personality, living in the past, um, maintenance mentality, victim mentality, distraction from the gospel in comparison. I look at those and I'm reminded of Israel throughout the entire Old Testament um, in almost all of them. Maybe not every single one, but they would get they would get distracted easily. They would compare themselves to their neighbors and, and long to worship uh, man-made gods or even long to have a king, um, as we see with, with Saul. Um, and we see all of these things happen, and I think there's a good case for all of these that, you know, okay, um, maybe not church revitalization of scriptures, but how these seven things can distract the people of God from the mission of God. And of course the mission of God is to make disciples who make disciples glorifying God um, in his name through that. Um, and really I would say that the heart of church revitalization, please correct me if I'm wrong because you're much smarter than I am there, uh, Jay Nash, but, the heart of church revitalization is getting churches to make disciples who make disciples. If, right, if right. At the, at, the, at the end of the day, if you want the secret, that's it. I mean, it's a way to sum it up. That is the goal. If you're doing that, your church is healthy, regardless mm-hmm. of how many people are in it. If you're mm-hmm. making disciples, you make disciples, you have a healthy church culture. Right. And maybe I caveat on that, making grown disciples who make grown disciples. Right. So not people who just like come to faith, you know, have a conversion experience and they just stay there but someone who's growing in the word is growing in faith and repentance and all that. Um, Justin, do you have any parting shots for today? No, man, I think this was good. I uh, appreciate it. And again, this, uh, these are traps and, and these are, I think the, the only thing I would say is if anybody does actually listen to this and you kind of, this is a filter you can put over your church. And if you're experiencing I don't know, three of these seven things or four of these seven things, then you're probably in need of revitalization. Mm-hmm. So, and more than that, you're definitely in need. So, um, so it can be, they can just be kind of a helpful tool for you to think about in the context of your, of your own local church, I think. Yeah. Appreciate that, Justin. And uh, just for those who don't know, <clears throat> this podcast is brought to you by the upcoming Advent Christian Leaders Conference. Uh, if you, Purchase today a ticket to go to the AC Leaders Conference. Um, you will get a money-back guarantee. Uh, if your church, because all about making disciples there, you'll have a plan on how to make disciples. If your church does not see a 15% increase in the first three months, then um, Justin will personally pay you back your, um, your ticket. Uh, let me just say that is not true. <laughs> oh, that is true. I'm the one that's going to be editing this episode, so I'll just take that last part out. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but thank. Yeah, but do come to the AC Leaders Conference, uh, April 30th through May the 2nd, I believe, in Waymart, Pennsylvania. ACLeadersConference.com. Check it out. Not to be confused with Walmart, Pennsylvania. Uh, okay. I didn't know there was a Walmart, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I don't know if there is. <laughs> Probably not. Well, uh, everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, We hope it wasn't a complete waste of your time, and we'll talk to you soon. God bless.